0: You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed. As crucified. Let me ask you only this Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish that having begun by the Spirit you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Father God, we come to your word this morning. And we ask that You would open our eyes to it, that You would open our ears to it, and through Your Word and by Your Spirit, You would be convicting us, that You would be encouraging us, and that You would be strengthening our faith, and that You would ultimately be pointing us back to Jesus just as you, He said that You would in John chapter 15. Father God, we thank You For today, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Now, that's not very nice, people. It's not very nice to call someone else foolish, unless you go by the Proverbs, where the the writer of Proverbs who says, you judge a fool by what he does, right? If he's doing foolish things, then you call a fool a fool. (laughs) That's understandable. Now, Paul is not actually trying to be cruel here or mean or anything else, but do understand that foolishness here is different than being ignorant, okay? So growing up, um, I always thought that I had a big vocabulary, and that big vocabulary was usually used for harm instead of for good. And so the word ignorant was a word that I loved. Now, unfortunately, I've since learned that the word ignorant simply means you don't know what you don't know, right? And so you can be wrong about something, and honestly, you can be forgiven for it because you didn't know what you didn't know. You needed some more and some new information. However, the Galatians here are acting truly foolish, stupid, if you wanted to use another word. Why? Because they know the truth, and they're stepping away from the truth. They're not ignorant. Uh, Through God's Word, through the preaching of it, and through the Spirit giving them faith, they know what the truth is. And unfortunately, they are foolishly walking away from it. Now, there's a couple of things happening happening here with the words, and there's three words we're going to pick out in particular. There's two places in this book that Paul says, You Galatians. Okay? He speaks specifically to the people in that region who are in the church, who are a part of the church, that know that Jesus is their Savior. So there's two places. One we're going to see in chapter 4 later on. And here, though, he's saying to the Galatians, you're foolish. Why? All right. Well, this is a little bit complex. I don't want to get into all the complexities. But the term Galatia or Galatians is actually kind of a... It's kind of a, how do I want to say it? It's already not a kind word. It's The word is pointing back to an, another Greek word that says, these people are unstable. They're unstable. They're they're wishy-washy. They're going back and forth. Or whenever something new pops up, they're jumping on the new thing. Um, you could probably say that about your own culture group as well. Uh, Martin Luther, in his commentary on Galatians, says... He surely must have been talking about Germans here. I don't know if that's true about Germans. I'm not going to say that. I'll speak for myself, though, and the people that I come from. Yes, that's probably true. Unstable. And so foolish here is actually an accent or an addition to him naming them by name. Saying, you Galatians. You're flip-flopping again. You're floundering. You're floating from one thing to the next again. You're being unstable foolish because you knew what the truth was and yet you walked away from that oh you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you and here's the next word that we want to pick on for just a couple of minutes bewitched Um, if you've ever watched the old television show yes it has nothing to do with witchcraft okay unless it does all right so so here's what I want to say here's what I want to say Bewitched. What we're talking about here is having a spell put on you. Okay? Having a spell put on you. And so, the Apostle Paul's focus here is not to talk about witchcraft. He's not not here pointing at um, a muti that was given to you by a sangoma. He's actually pointing to the effects that that muti would have on you. He's saying... Do you know how when you take this thing and you feel like you're out of your mind and you could do anything in the world and you've got all the courage, right? I mean, this was always the claim with certain mooties that had the power to make you bulletproof and make you be able to do things that you could never normally do. We actually just call that drugs, okay? And it affects your brain. It changes the way that your brain is working so that your brain now thinks something different than what it knows to be true. This is the same way in old songs. Uh, uh, man, I'm trying to think who was it, but I put a spell on you because you're mine, right? Love is bewitching in the same way. I didn't want to fall in love, and then I just did. I was bewitched by it. And it happened. And it changed the way that I looked at everything else. This is the kind of bewitching that Paul is talking about here. You knew what was true, and then all of a sudden, something that is false came into your head and shifted the way that you thought about everything. It's like you've been drugged. It's like you have been tricked. That's exactly what it is. O foolish Galatians, who has tricked you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What does he mean by this public portrayal? Portrayal through words, actions, whatever the case may be. Jesus' death on the cross was pictured for them. Maybe it was with Paul's suffering or some other evangelist suffering there. I don't know what the circumstances are, but publicly portraying also comes with words. The gospel was preached to you and you know it. You know that Jesus was crucified for you. So let me ask you just one question. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And here's where we start to have a little bit of a rub in our lives, because a lot of us are able to look at what the Galatians are falling back into, the works of the law, and say, well, I don't, you know, I don't believe I have to eat kosher, I don't believe I have to wash my hands in a certain way, I don't believe I have to observe certain festivals or meals, I'm not falling into the trap of works of the law. But everything in this world (laughs) tries to demand that you follow and obey it. Everything in the world. Um, Let's say that you are one of these strange people who enjoys exercise, right? And so what do you do? You tell yourself, if I don't exercise, I'm going to be unhealthy. You've just created a a work and a law for yourself to say I must do this I must get it done is it bad no it's not bad in fact it's good for you then maybe you get on a program and the program seems a little bit a uh, it's a little bit oppressive but I'm going to keep doing it. And then you get trapped into the program, and all of a sudden, this really good thing for you can either burn you out and you go away from it, or you become totally obsessed with it, and there's no turning back, and this is what my whole life has to revolve around. Okay, I don't know what that thing is for you. Maybe it's not working out. Maybe it's any number of things. We take very good things, like... Good laws, and we turn them into things that enslave us and control us. This is in our different culture groups. This is in our families, in our households, in our personal life. This is not just dealing with the Jewish law here. If you have found something else that you think is going to fulfill you, uh, we're going to read in some translations that here, it says perfect you. Uh, Maybe a better way of saying it is complete you or make you whole. If you're trying to find something else to put on top of Jesus that's going to complete you and make you whole, you have fallen into the scheme of being under works of the law. For salvation, right? So we're talking about completing you for salvation. Um, If you've ever heard Romans, uh, wow, man, what chapter is it? Uh, that your body is, is a temple, right? Therefore, there will be no smoking. There will be no drinking. You will be exercising. You will eat good foods. This is a misrepresentation of this passage, okay? And in fact, what you're actually saying is, hey, look, if you want to keep on being a temple of the Holy Spirit, you better treat that body right. Even though... We read this morning in the psalm that you can go nowhere from the Spirit of God. And in fact, when He revives you, when He makes you new, when He brings you back to life, when He puts breath in your lungs, there's no getting away from that life that you have in the Spirit. And yet, even though this is true for the Galatians, they're all of a sudden thinking, you know what? Maybe I do need these works of the law. Maybe I do need this thing to complete what it is that I have in Jesus. Maybe I do need to believe and follow what it is that my culture tells me that I need to believe and follow. Maybe I do still need the old gods along with my new God. Maybe I need my ancestors along with Jesus. And perhaps, just maybe, both of them together will be able to save me in the end. One in this life and one in the next. This is a lie from the depths of hell. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? No. Or did you receive it by hearing with faith? Now elsewhere, we know that Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Right? Right? This is the same type of language. He's reversed the hearing and the faith. Why has he done this? Is this is he saying that I have to work up some kind of faith in me to be able to hear it properly? No, no, we're talking about the same thing here. The faith that was created in you by the Spirit of God working through the preached Word of God. This is the hearing with faith that we're talking about. Are you so foolish that having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected or completed or made whole by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? This is the most confusing part of this passage to me. Paul is using um, a rhetorical argument. He's, He's being a bit fancy with his language here. And what he's saying is, look, if you're going back to the flesh, if you're going back to works of the law, you, everything that you suffered through after becoming a Christian has now been in vain. He says, unless it wasn't really in vain, because this is true and that is false. So l- let, me, let me try to work it out just a little bit more here. Um, what did the Galatians suffer? when they came to Christ. Did they have to suffer to come to Christ? Uh, No. It's kind of like what we were talking about in the marriage class this morning. When you start to treat marriage differently than what your culture or your family says marriage should be treated like, all of a sudden, you become an outcast and a stranger. And in Paul's day, if you were to go around saying, Caesar, the emperor, the Roman emperor, is not God, but Jesus is the one true Lord. If you were to say that, not only are you going to upset the neighbors, but you're potentially going to be put in jail or killed. Why? You're upsetting the system. (laughs) The system does not want you to believe that there is any other god but Caesar. The system needs you to believe that through that emperor, you have your life and your being. Right? So what did they suffer? We don't know what they suffered. But we can kind of use a little bit of imagination here to say there's any number of things that they're suffering. Like today, when someone who is Muslim comes to Christ, and they, their family shuns them, or is living in certain countries, your family has all authority to kill you. This was very possibly something that was being threatened or done to the church in Galatia. So Paul says, look, look, you heard the word, The Spirit empowered you through the Word with faith to believe what was preached to you. You suffered because of it. And now, is that all in vain? It wasn't in vain, Paul says. Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? What are these miracles? Um, We could go back to the book of Acts and see what, you know, some common miracles taking place uh, when the apostles went different places to preach. I mean, we still have healings happening. Um, You have Paul being such a boring preacher that someone falls asleep and dies, and then he has to bring him back to life. We've got that type of thing going on, okay? So miracles take place when the apostles are going places, and um We don't know exactly what they are, but there seem to have been some miracles that the churches in Galatia witnessed when the gospel was being preached. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? So, when I came to you, did I first teach you all of the commands of God? And I said, now do it and come back to me. Okay. All you, you're doing all of them since your youth. Good job. Now, <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories in all of scripture, right? The, the rich young ruler uh, comes to Jesus and he says, oh, I've been doing all those things since my youth. Really? Have you? <laughs> yes, we believe you. Um, no, we don't. We don't believe him, right? <laughs> because that, that's not true. No one does. And what does Jesus do to him? Oh, you obey all of it. Here, let me turn the law up to you. Why don't you go give everything that you have? It's not good news that Jesus has given to him. In fact, it makes him quite sad because he realizes that he can't actually do what the law demands of him. He needs someone other than himself to save him. Very similarly, this is the argument that's being made here. Look, when I came to you, did I give you all the laws of God? And then you checked them off one by one and said, okay, I did them all. All of them, this week, I did them. Now I'm going to come and I'm going to get saved because I know that I'm good enough to come to Jesus. No. The one that works miracles among you, uh, who supplied the Spirit to you, didn't come and demand that you follow all the law to know that Jesus is your Savior. Or by hearing... uh, So, how did it happen then? By hearing with faith. Again, so we have this this going back to hearing the Word of God and believing it, just as and here's where we have an example um, now in those first couple of verses in those first five verses before we move on to verse six um, i think that I think that there's a couple of parallels that we need to draw one to some place that we were at last week with the apostle peter, right he's eating the pizza with the meat and the cheese, and then. He's sitting around with everyone else. They're all enjoying their pizzas and then he steps away from the table and he goes and he sits down with the with the vegetarian pizza eaters over here, the guys sent from James and he acts like, "Hey, nothing's changed. Everything's good. I'm obeying the law." All right? And what does Peter, what does Paul say? I condemned him to his face. Why? Because he was going against what he knew to be true. This wasn't just an example of Paul exerting his apostolic authority. This was an example that Paul was giving to the Galatians to say, you've done exactly what Peter did. All of you were sitting around reading this letter and saying, how could Peter do that? He's an apostle. And he's saying, you did it, Galatians. You foolish Galatians. You stood up and you walked over to the other table and started thinking that this law was going to save you. You forgot that it was by faith and that faith was a gift given to you by God. Jesus Himself, the gift given to you. And we know that the Spirit has been at work in them. How do we know that? Well, uh, let me just read a couple things here. Romans 5, verses 1-5. to Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that... But we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. How do we know that all of this is true? Because God the Holy Spirit has poured out into our hearts. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, "...you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit." If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. You are a Christian saved by Jesus. You have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Once again here, um, this word spiritual gets thrown around a lot. Some people say, well, I'm spiritual, not religious. No, you're not. Because spiritual means that you have got the Holy Spirit. That's what spiritual truly means. And it also means then that you have the mind of Christ. That your mind has been repented, changed. You have been taken from one place. You are a brand new person. And what Paul is saying to the Galatians here, if you are now living your life according to the works of the law, you're going against your very nature because you have God the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And you're shoving everything back in His face saying, I can do it myself. I don't even need God to dwell in me. No. It comes by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then, know then that those that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. We'll dig a little bit more into this next week and as we go in this letter, but what Paul is saying here is earth-shaking. He's saying if you claim to be a son of Abraham, it's not because of the blood that runs in your veins. It's because of the faith that resides in you along with the Holy Spirit. This is earth-shattering because even, uh, even when Jesus was alive and ministering and the Pharisees would come to Him, And he says, uh, you think you're safe and saved because you're sons of Abraham. God can make the family of Abraham grow up out of these rocks right here, Jesus says. You're sons of who? The devil, Jesus says. Those are hard words. The blood in your veins makes you the sons of the devil, not the sons of Abraham, because the sons of Abraham have And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And now there's a couple of examples of what we could be talking about here. Um, Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 17, and Genesis chapter 12. These are all places where God is um, either giving or repeating a covenant, a commitment, a promise that's being made to Abraham. Okay, And in those passages, what... What's happening is this, is that God has created faith in Abraham. He has heard the promises of God, and he has believed the promises of God because of it. We know these promises are that God would grow Abraham's family to be more than the grains of sand on the beach, more than the stars in the sky. It would include all nations and peoples. This includes not just Jews then, but who? Everybody else, the Gentiles. And so we have here Paul referencing back to these passages to say you could go back to Scripture and you can see it there. The Gentiles were going to come to faith. But also I think there's a bigger argument that Paul is making is that you go back to all the Scripture or else he would have just mentioned the Genesis passages, right? He's talking about all of Scripture is pointing to the one-day promise of Gentiles coming to faith outside of being Jewish. And he says, Galatians, who aren't Jewish, that's you. That's you. You're in there. You're in the Scriptures. You were promised from the beginning. Not that you would come through works of the law, but through faith, Paul says. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Anchor Baptist Church, if you know Christ is your Savior, if you know that you are a sinner, like we confessed at the beginning of the service together, if you know that God the Holy Spirit renders unto you the forgiveness of sins through the preached word of God and the promise of Christ, you are blessed. A child of God who is also a part of the family of Abraham that is not based upon blood, it's not based upon works of the law, it's based upon faith. Here's our big idea for this week. Maybe. Your foolishness or Jesus' righteousness will be counted to you. Your foolishness or Jesus' righteousness will be counted to you. Paul in verse 6 uses that language, repeating it from Genesis. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I'm not so good with the numbers, but I will say this. This is an accounting term here. Right? All of the unrighteousness that you had because of the faith given to you is now put as a as taken off of the ledger, and everything that is Christ's is counted to you as righteousness. All of the math that you want to do. Well, did I did I follow the works of the law? My good, did it outweigh the bad? No. That you know what? That is the math of the law. That's the math of our world, even. In all of our relationships, that's the math that we have to follow. <laughs> you know, did I, did I actually do enough today to make my wife feel like it's worth keeping me around? Did I love my children enough today to where they're not going to resent me in the future? Even the best of God given relationships act under this kind of math and this kind of law. God in Jesus breaks the math and He counts to you His righteousness. So, knowing that, do you want to be known and counted to you your foolishness or Christ's righteousness? And I think that we all know the answer, right? We want that righteousness. We need it. Because each and every day we come and our ledger's all messed up. And we need the blood of Jesus to go down that ledger and clear it and give to us Jesus' righteousness. And that's for you. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.